In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Our Lady, seat of wisdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. My dear friends, we've come today to pray for the repose of the soul of Marie Knives, who, as a Carmelite tertiary, had the name of Therese, after St. Therese of the Child Jesus. By your assistance to this funeral, you're certainly showing your friendship to Maureen, because when we pray for her, we indeed become friends with her. And we can trust that when she reaches heaven, she will be a good friend for us in there too. It is because of this spiritual friendship that it seems to me fitting to share with you some of the personal experiences from her life. After all, only that is a friend of yours whom you know something about their lives. And since we have been given the chance to come to say our last goodbyes to Maureen, I think it will be of interest to all of you to hear some of the anecdotes, especially because her life was very much like that of St. Therese of the Child Jesus. It was not notorious, you wouldn't know anything, but it was filled with little wonders, little wonders here and there in their common things. Marine was always a very pious lady from her very youth. When I first met her, it was recently a few months ago in her 90s. The way I met her it was, I was in Gorham, Kansas. We were having a funeral for another saintly person. And um, as we are having the funeral there, I get a phone call from Chris asking me to come and bring her the last rites. So we drove about six hours, arrived there in the evening, and we got to her house and we had a little conversation before I proceeded to give her absolution, extreme unction, all the Catholic rites. What was notorious to me is as I finished, she was very moved, very happy to be able to receive the sacraments. And she immediately started talking to me as if she had known me for years and years. I, had, I was going through a rough day that day. And I remember that she started cheering me up. She didn't know anything about me, but she started cheering me up, telling me what you're doing is very good and things that would make me feel better. And I was very moved by that and, and very much appreciated her and her kindness to me. While we were talking, she told me this story. She said that when she was a very young girl, she went to her first communion with a group of other people. Everybody else, after receiving communion, after the mass, they all went to the vestibule outside of the church. And she remained by herself. She came back and remained by herself in the church for a little while. Now, she said that where she was kneeling in that church, they have a a life-size crucifix, much, much like the one we have here, but it was at a lower height where you could actually reach it. So she's kneeling and she looks at our Lord Jesus Christ and she feels this great urge to go and hug him, to go and hug the cross. Little child that she is, very innocent, she climbs over the communion rail, which you're not supposed to do, but she climbs over the communion rail, reaches the cross, and hugs the cross of our Lord. And as she's doing it, and she told me this very sincerely, 
she sees a tear coming down the cheeks of our Lord. She's a child, she takes a handkerchief, takes away, wipes away the tears, and she kept that handkerchief. If I'm not mistaken, she kept it all the way until now. This story was not one that she would tell many people, because as you can imagine, many people would not believe it, or they would simply scoff at it. But I knew that it was real when she was telling, me, telling it to me. And as I left her house, I remember the three of us were crying. I was crying, she was crying, Chris was crying. It was a very moving experience. When she was in her teens, she wanted to be a nun. That was her first impulse, but that was not to be God's will. God wanted her to marry. And one day she had a dream of a man that she was supposed to marry. Now, one day she goes to a ball, some kind of event with a friend, and she sees this man that she had dreamt of. And she says to her, and I might get some parts of the story wrong, you can correct them later. But she says to her, that's the guy I'm supposed to marry. And she went and they, they met on that ball and they started a relationship which had its ups and downs, but eventually she ended up marrying him. Now, here is a very important story that tells about the quality of her marriage. He, he, he wasn't Catholic at the time, the husband, but she married him and a few years after they married, remember this is the 1950s, she was diagnosed with tuberculosis. Now, if you know anything of what that disease was back then, it was a very grave diagnosis. It was very contagious. Uh, it was the worst news you could get, probably. And so much so that even, as I was told, it was contemplated that the government would come and take her to put her in quarantine after she was diagnosed. There was no cure at that time. You didn't know how long you would have it. And these, they told me that when she saw her husband, she said to him, keep your hat and your coat, because as soon as I tell you what I'm about to tell you, you're going to walk out. And then she said to him, I have tuberculosis. And he stayed and he said to her, no, I'm staying with you and I'm never gonna leave you. And for many time, a long time, he would come to visit her, disregarding all the measures of, you know, that the doctors would suggest to him to keep a distance, who knows what else. He would disregard them all. That was his wife. He would stay with her, even if he was to get sick. God spared her from that disease. He spared her life through the help of her husband. And this was something of a, something of a providence of God because later on, through the help of the wife, God would spare the soul of the husband. I said that the husband was not Catholic. He was a very good man. He was a very moral man, good husband, good father. But he had talked about becoming Catholic and he postponed it after he got married and he never got along to it. And that's Maureen understood after she was spared from the disease. She understood that her vocation was to save the soul of her husband that that's why God had made her marry, and that's why God had allowed her to be here in this life, so that she would continue to save the soul of her husband and of her children as well. Here are some of the things that we hear of her that are quite an example. I was told that she would pray the rosary 
three, four times a day. Sometimes she would spend three hours praying, and they said to me that every day she would, she would pray about three hours. She also did a lot of penance, did a lot of sacrifices for other souls. She would refrain from food. And this brings me to another story that they gave me that was very remarkable. When she went to work, she had a good position. She was placed above 50 people, I believe. She was the boss of many. But during lunchtime, she would never go to lunch with all the rest. They would all see her walk somewhere else. And one day, one of the ladies from her job, who already had a very good impression of her, I assume, goes to her and tells her, where do you go during lunchtime? And she says to her, well, I go to the church. I go to the, if I'm not mistaken, the Franciscan church. And this friend says, could I go with you? I'm not Catholic. Would I be allowed to go with you? And Maureen says, of course. Of course, you can come with me. Next time, you'll come with me. So the next time she goes with her, and there is benediction, and they have a beautiful ceremony, much like the one we had today. And the friend is very moved, and they come out of the church. And the friend says to her, Maureen, I've been trying to be pregnant for 10 years now, and I'm not able to, to get pregnant. And Maureen turns to her, and she says, come with me and let's do this novena of St. Anthony. It's nine, nine Tuesdays, I believe, that you go. And we're going to pray. And at the end of those nine Tuesdays, you will get pregnant. And the friend was shocked. She, she didn't believe her ears. But she said, you know what? Let's try it. I'll do it. And she did. Now, this is not something we should do, usually. You can imagine when Maureen goes back to her husband and she tells her, her husband what she said. Her husband said, what are you thinking? How, how dare you say those things? You don't know what's going to happen. You, only God knows. That's tempting God. Most of us should not do such things. But let me tell you something. When a soul becomes very close to God, when a soul is very faithful to God's grace, the Holy Ghost starts dwelling more and more in that soul, and he gives to that soul what we call in the Catholic faith the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And so in those cases, those souls that have those gifts, sometimes they speak inspired by God. It's not of their own brain. It's God that is talking through them. That's why for most of us, it would be wrong to go and promise to someone that they would get pregnant. But if one is inspired by God in a very special way, as very few souls are, that can be done. And that's what Maureen did. And at the end of the novena, lo and behold, the woman did get pregnant, and she converted to Catholicism, and she named her son Anthony as a thanksgiving for St. Anthony that had given her as a boy. This is why Maureen would say, as I was told, she would say, my kingdom is not what I have, because she had money. My kingdom is not what I have, but what I do meaning that is where I, where I put all my hopes in the reward from God. Now, my dear friends, these gifts that I mentioned, they didn't come for free. Whenever we are blessed by God in such a way, it always comes at an expense, and that expense, usually that price that we ought to pay, is the price of the cross. And Maureen, this is her greatest glory of her life, I would say, 
that she suffered greatly, but she suffered like Jesus Christ suffered, without rancor, without hate, without vengeance, always loving even those who harmed her. And the words that were always in her lips whenever she had a difficult situation, whenever someone would speak ill of her, whenever someone would treat her poorly, even many times constantly, the words in her lips were always, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus think? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus do in this situation? One of the great rewards that she had was to see her husband embrace the Catholic faith in his deathbed. He was baptized by his own son, and he was privileged enough to die recently baptized, pure and clean, ready to go to heaven. She would outlive her husband many years, 25 if I'm not mistaken, but throughout those years she never left her good practices, her good prayers, her piety, even when people sometimes criticized her. You know how it feels. If you try to be a good Christian, a good Catholic, if you try to say your prayers in front of other people, if you, if you make the sign of the cross at work or at other public place, people would scoff at you, laugh at you. She didn't care. She continued living her faith to the point that one of the words that she said on her last days was, as long as I am here, I'm ready to suffer for Jesus. And she would say to her son, who was by her, by her side, I feel Our Lady. I feel her close to me. Now, around her middle-aged years, I mentioned she decided to become a third-order Carmelite in order to cement, furthermore, her good resolutions, in order to be more faithful in her dedication to God. And that, for those of you who might not be familiar, what it means is you're not becoming a nun or a religious, but you're doing something similar to that while being in the world. You live in the world, you have your work, you do your duties, you can be even married, but you dedicate yourself to God by following one of the saints of the Catholic Church in the mode of life. She decided to follow the Carmelite rule and she took as her name, Therese of the Child Jesus. And you see the great predilection that God had for her and the saints had for her because she passed away on the very same feast day of her patron saint on the day of Therese of the Child Jesus. And she had a privilege that very few do, very few people do. The priest came to visit her a few minutes before her passing to give her absolution, to give her all the aids of the church, and that's the day when she went. My dear friends, as we say these things to finish, I don't mean to say that she was perfect. We all have flaws. But what stands out on her, on our good Maureen, is her devotion and dedication to God, and most importantly, to persevere in it for so many years, 93 years that she lived, always persevering as a good daughter of God, as a good daughter of our Blessed Mother, as a, as a soul filled with piety, with devotion and love. And that is what really stands out. Even when her faith seemed to her, or seemed, would seem to others, I should say, a burden, according to the world, for her, her faith was always a promise, and she never wanted to let go of that promise. And that's why she would say constantly, imagine, imagine how beautiful heaven must be. She would say to her sons, 
to everyone. Imagine how beautiful heaven must be if we knew no one would sin. Today then, we can send to her our prayers so that if she's still in need of them, she can fulfill that promise and get to know heaven as it truly is. And as we do, as we pray for her, we also pray that from now on, we keep in mind her good example and remember that we are not alone in the fight for godliness and goodness. That if you are mocked by the world, or if you feel sometimes like there is no companion to you when you pray, when you go to mass, when you try to be moral and good, remember there is a companion, there are many companions, many friends like Maureen, who have preceded us and keep us company. Let us be thankful for her example and show her our friendship in an unwavering way without never ceasing to stop praying for her. Let us also keep in mind that beautiful home that she preceded us to as we continue praying to her, praying for her, excuse me, hearing her voice as she says to us, imagine how beautiful heaven must be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.